In today's gospel reading, we find <clears throat> that the first thing that the Lord did was that he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, and he says to him, follow me. And the gospel of uh, Luke chapter 5, the whole, m many parts of, the, of this specific chapter deal with a calling, a calling in which the Lord goes to, goes to um, others and says, follow me. And on multiple occasions, he does this, um, even as there's a group of people, and he will say to one and to another, follow me. So I want to reflect on the characteristics of being called and what it means for us to be called by the Lord. We can sometimes think about a calling in a specific way for a particular vocation, but we are all called um, on a daily basis to be Christians. Even though, yes, we come to the church, we take communion, but it can always be, we are always faced with this challenge of being Christians in the world. And so I want to reflect on faith versus reason, that the church is the means by which we receive salvation, and that when we are called, we are always called continuously and should respond with urgency. In, in the, today's gospel, today was the calling of Levi, or the disciple Matthew. And earlier in the chapter is the calling that the Lord made to St. Peter. And if you remember that earlier in this gospel that um, Peter and his and others that were with him went out fishing. And of course we know that they caught nothing. And of course they went out and caught nothing at the time that it was assumed that should be the optimal time to fish. And so we read that Simon answered when the Lord came to him in the morning and told him to cast his net that he said, Master, we've worked hard all night and, have caught, and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And so, of course, Peter has the right to sort of say, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. It doesn't make sense to, fi to fish in the daytime. And so, the symbol of the fish and how Christ um, uses the fish as a metaphor, it shows us that in the time that the Lord commanded the fish to come into the nets, that you have this creation that has no hearing, this creation that has no, um, uh, has no, um, the characteristics of humanity, and yet, immediately responds to the command of the Lord. And at a time in which it doesn't make sense. And for us, we struggle because we have mind, we have hearts, and yet it's a challenge for us to follow the will and the command of God. 
And so today, Peter, or in, the, in every calling, and in, this, in the gospel, the, the example of Peter being called, it goes against his strategy for, for fishing. And yet he finds himself that he needs to follow this new strategy or this new command. And so we find that when God is absent, like in the first casting of the, of the net, life is fruitless. In the Pauline epistle, and it's always important for us to, to notice that the readings in the Pauline, the Catholic, and the Acts will always relate to the gospel reading because it's giving us a full message. So if we remember in the Pauline epistle, we heard about obedience. We heard about the, the necessity of putting on the armor of God, the belt of truth, righteousness, peace, the shield of faith, the, hem, the helmet of salvation or hope in salvation, the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. And so by equipping ourselves with the armor of God, following his calling by every minute um, to be his disciples, the more life that we have. In the, in the example of the fish, when the fish are brought out of the waters, the fish begin to lose life. They begin to slowly die. But it's the opposite with humanity, that humanity, likewise as the fish, that when we are outside of the, the, the sea, so to speak, of, of Christ and the body of Christ, the more we also begin to suffocate, the more we begin to lose life. And so that's why when we, for us, there's always the tension between our faith and the reasoning in the world. And so there are, of course, many examples in the scripture in which we find that, that one, must, one must and is capable of denying the things that maybe we perceive in the world as the right way and following the command of, of God. Of course, in the example of Peter in which it didn't make sense to cast his net at that time, and yet he casts his net and he catches a multitude of fish. Today, there's the tax collector that nobody probably had any hope or faith in someone like that to be a decent person, and yet became the disciple of Christ. And even to the extent that when, he was, when Christ told him to follow me, he dropped everything he, he had and followed him. Yet even with Peter, he first said, well, I've toiled all day, but I will listen. And how many of the saints who, when we perceive their lifestyles, like St. Mary of Egypt, for example, or St. Moses the Strong, that these are people who there's no hope in them, that they simply seek to either be promiscuous or, or either seek uh, to be violent, and yet they become some of the strongest saints. Or the wealthy who are perceived to just always think about themselves, and yet Zacchaeus, he was willing to give up everything in order to follow the Lord. And again, there's many examples of these. And so when we cast our nets based on our own reasoning, we will find that we, we won't catch very much. 
Yet when we, when we cast according to the command of God, we find ourselves that all things are possible. The second point is that the church is the means of fulfilling our calling. In the world, we can always feel or sometimes feel like we can control things in our lives. And in some cases, we do make those decisions. I can potentially control my income based on what career choice I make. I can choose whatever foods I want to eat and so forth. And in church, we realize over time that when we come to the church according to his calling, what we receive is not according to our will, but according to the will of God. When Peter found the multitude of fish, he didn't say, okay, cool, I'll meet you here same time tomorrow. And we don't, as, part, as the church being part of our, part of the characteristics, characteristics of being called, we don't profit in any worldly fashion being Christians, or at least we don't rely, we're not relying on that. The life in the church, of course, as we know, if we, if we even want to think from a, like a, um, a personality perspective, the church encourages discipline, it, it, it encourages faithfulness, it helps to restrain children, to guide and, guide and give them direction. But there's a point in which everything that we receive and that we must have a place in our life or something in our life in which we have zero control over, in which I go to receive something that is much greater than, my, than myself. Maybe for many of us, we can volunteer at a food bank and you know, people come through and you put food maybe in a bag or a box and you hand it to people in a line to come and take some food. And maybe most of us don't have to deal with that, but there's a part of us that knows that we need to experience life when we have zero control of what's in that bag. And, you know, at the food bank, you may have, someone may have received a sirloin before, and they may come and say, you know, do you, any chance you have any ribeyes back there, right? Um, and then you think, well, hey, be thankful for what you got, you know? Um, or maybe we could say, like, well, I ha I've been fasting for, like, 40 days. Like, why should you get a ribeye, you know? And there should be a place for every human to witness having to receive sustenance at the mercy of a giver, whatever is in that bag. The Eucharist, as we know it, is... Um, not just the Eucharist, but the Eucharistic life is a gift of mystery that gives us life, that makes us whole to all people, right? Maybe at a food bank, it's, it's isolated to people who are, who are less fortunate uh, and don't have enough means to eat. But the church must, um, all humanity gains from the gift of God. The rich, the poor, 
the, the smart, the ignorant, the poor, the old, the, the young. There is no specific, uh, there is no calling to, to, of, from God that is specific to certain people. All humanity are called. In the book of Acts, from today's reading, Paul was preaching to others that which he was that which he himself received and while preaching as we heard that a man was on the third floor on the window and he fell asleep during the sermon that saint paul was giving and so he fell and he died right which is why i always preach on the first floor of a building but <laughs> he rose symbolic that the word of god always brings life not to just the believers, but also those who are deprived of truth. And so the book of Acts is the post-resurrection work of the church and that the word of God brings life. And of course, that's why the Acts concludes with, with what? The word of the Lord shall what? Shall grow, multiply, be mighty, and be confirmed in the holy church of God. Amen. It grows because it elevates the soul of, of humanity. It multiplies because all humanity are called to receive the word of God. Humanity is, is inclined to hear the word of God. It is mighty in that it saves humanity, it conquers evil, and is confirmed in that the fruit of the church are saints and they confirm the truth of it. So when one, so the characteristic the characteristics of being called by God to live a Christian life is that we is that we fight faith versus reason, is that we we immerse ourselves in the life of the church as an ark that saves us, and the last is that we are called continuously and immediate, and we should respond always with urgency and immediately. It is continuous because Christ himself imposes himself many times. In the, earlier in the gospel with St. Peter, it says that Jesus walked onto his boat, and then he started talking to Peter. He didn't ask, do you mind? Nothing. He entered the boat. Today in the gospel, when he approached Levi, it says he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. He's sitting at the tax office, and he just comes and he says, follow me. No, hi, no, how are you doing today? Follow me. And leaves everything that he has. So Christ always says, come follow me. And for us to follow him requires self-denial. Again, this immediately getting up, leaving everything and following him. In Luke chapter 14, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Things that are less priority for us, we always delay, we push back. But the truth is that nothing in the future will somehow make discipleship or following Christ any cheaper or any less complicated. Our lives are complicated enough. And when we say things are complicated and then that is relieved, another something more and more complicated comes up in our lives. It never becomes easier nor cheaper in order to follow the command of God. 
In Luke chapter 9, we, hear, we read about the, the true cost of discipleship. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And so he said to another, he said, he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This seems very, very harsh on, this, on, on the Lord's side, considering that he commands us to, uh, to obey and to honor our fathers and our mothers. And yet he says, don't even go back for a day. Go and follow, go and preach the kingdom of God. But maybe it's because he knows that if the one goes to either carry out the, the last few years of his father's life, or even if it's for a single day, that the tears of his mother, his or her mother, or the, or the sadness of, of everyone else compels the person to say, I will stay. It's why many, many of the monastic saints why many of them didn't even go back home to say bye to their, to their parents or to even tell them that they were going to go become monastics. They did it because of the fear that the, that the sadness would stop them from fulfilling this will that they are called to do. And of course, this is the, the tears and the, what holds back the person is symbolic. It's not that we shouldn't have feelings towards our family and how they feel or how anyone feels about us being called, but sometimes it's our, it's our passions that hold us back. It's our struggles that hold us back. Those are the reasons why it's difficult for us to follow the commands of God. Maybe it's our sensitivities. Maybe it's the, it's the, the pressures from our society that compel us, well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, say anything about my identity or that I am faithful so that people don't ever perceive me to be negative, and yet the whole world will easily say what their beliefs are. These are the tears that sometimes cause us to resist listening and following the command of God. In the Catholic epistle today, we speak about, we read about light and darkness that they cannot coexist. He who hates his brother is not in the light. In the gospel today, it spoke about the old and the new wineskin. Um, the old and the new wineskin, the reason why it relates to this light and darkness is not because we cannot fall into temptation. It does not mean that we will not sin. Of course, we all sin, and I am the first among all of you. But the, the analogy of the wineskin is that it's setting myself up for failure. Because it's like, um, you know, wine is fermented in barrels and then it's bottled. The reason why, when, if, if you open a champagne bottle, the, the top pops. It's because it's fermented in the bottle. The same thing with the wineskin. You put new wine into old wineskin, it ferments inside. And so eventually the fermentation causes, creates CO2, 
which it then builds up in the wineskin and then it bursts because it can't handle two, two fermentation cycles. And so when I do that, I simply, I simply say, I'll just take the risk. Or I say, I'll just deal with it later. And that's the light versus darkness. It's not that we fall into sin. It's that I set myself up for failure. I know that the old wineskin is going to burst and it's going to leak. And yet, and yet I still do it. I still fill it. So, uh, the Lord, he says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And even the Catholic epistle concludes with, do not love the world nor the things in the world. The world shall pass away in all its desires, but he who does the will of God shall abide forever. Amen. We are all called not to love the world or the things in the world, but to follow the, the, the Lord. To fight as part of the calling, it is to fight faith, uh, to balance faith and reason, to always find life in, in the church, in the Eucharistic life, and to always know that the Lord imposes himself on us on a daily basis, and it is for us to respond to him immediately, not to wait even one day. To him be the glory, both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.